Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the Balin Technologies Inc. fourth quarter 2020 earnings call. At this time, all participant lines are on mute. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a questions and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star one on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. I'll now turn the call over to Mr. Daniel Kim, Executive Vice President, Corporate Development of Bailing Technologies. Please go ahead. Hello and welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us this morning for the fourth quarter and full year 2020 earnings conference call for Bailing Technologies. Joining me is our President and CEO, Randy Dewey, and our CFO, Michael Wolf. We will all be available for questions at the end of the presentation. Before we begin, let me make it clear that our comments today will include statements and answers to questions that could imply future events such as our 2021 prospects and financial performance, and could, use, and could include the use of non-GAAP and non-IFRS measures. Though it is obvious these statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions, accordingly, actual performance could differ materially from statements made today, so do not place undue reliance upon them. We also disclaim any obligation to update forward-looking statements except as required by law. I ask that you read our legal disclaimer and refer you to our risks and assumptions outlined in our public disclosures in particular the section entitled Forward-Looking Statements and Risk Factors in our annual information form for the year ended December 31st, 2020, and our filings which are available on CEDAW. Q4 and full-year results were released yesterday after market. After market. The press release financial statements as well as MD&A and annual information form are available on CEDAR and our website at bailintech.com. I would now like to turn the call over to Randy. Thank you, Daniel. Despite the ongoing challenges we are navigating through, we have started to see some very promising signs, a healthy pickup in our backlog and positive momentum in the form of project delays that are now moving forward. We are more optimistic about our more robust return starting in the second quarter. Our order backlog is building in all four business units. Cellular stores are reopening in North America and soon in Europe. Cruise ship activity has picked up and demand for our SATCOM products is now increasing. In January, in fact, SACCOM had its highest order booking in the past three years. Planning for stadium cellular upgrade programs, which were delayed in 2020, have now commenced, and the infrastructure had their best week in bookings uh, since 2019. In addition, the completion of the C-band auction in December uh, was obviously a very important uh, step forward for us. Uh, we are starting to see a pickup in capital spending uh, amongst the U.S. wireless carriers but the final piece of the 5G puzzle now put in place. While all these positive developments are expected to improve financial results starting in the second quarter, the corona pandemic, of course, continues to impact operations in the fourth quarter of 2020, which resulted in lower than forecasted revenue and profitability. We expect this to continue into the first quarter of 2021. In particular, infrastructure products and SATCOM product revenues have been uh, lower than expectations uh, while the C-band auction was finalizing. The delay in finishing our massive MIMO factory in Vietnam due to travel restrictions continues to stretch out uh, the timing of the start of revenue until the second half of 2021. 
airline and marine travel industries obviously fell uh, significantly as an industry, uh, which had an impact on our business as well. This had a direct temporary impact on SATCOM product revenue. In addition, despite recent cellular store reopenings, the fourth quarter COVID-19 lockdowns in Europe impacted cellular sales, resulting in significantly lower sales volumes and delays in new model launches. We have not lost any customers or orders, but the softer period has affected the business on a short-term basis. Our focus continues to be on securing new orders and longer-term contracts while continuing to implement the cost-saving initiatives that commenced in the fourth quarter of 2020. I would now like to turn the call over to Michael to provide you with a little bit more commentary and details on our financial results. Michael? Thank you, Randy. Revenue in the fourth quarter of 2020 was $25.6 million, a decrease of 14.8% compared to the fourth quarter of 2019. Infrastructure products had the largest revenue decline in the quarter, followed by SATCOM products, due to the reasons that Randy outlined. The decrease in revenue in the fourth quarter of 2020 compared to the third quarter of 2020 was mainly due to a significant decline in Asia-Pacific revenue, primarily in the second half of the quarter. Lower than budgeted revenue, combined with a less favorable revenue mix in the fourth quarter compared to the prior year, resulted in a lower gross margin, 26.3% compared to 35.8%. Also contributing to the lower gross margin in the fourth quarter was a manufacturing issue with one of the Asia-Pacific platforms. The issue has now been substantially resolved. Due to a continued focus on cost reductions, operating expenses in the fourth quarter, excluding goodwill impairment, decreased by $2.6 million compared to the fourth quarter of 2019. A portion of the decrease was due to government stimulus received in Q4 under the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy. However, the subsidies were offset by additional costs related to personal protection equipment for employees and safety measures implemented in all of our facilities to reduce the risk of employees contracting COVID. In addition, the wage subsidies have allowed us to prevent layoffs and terminations that may have otherwise been required. The Canadian federal government extended the wage subsidy and rent subsidy programs to June 2021. We expect to continue to receive subsidies under these programs in Q1 and Q2. In addition, the United States implemented a second draw under the Paycheck Protection Program. We are expecting to receive forgivable loans from this program in March and April. The financial impact of COVID in 2020 on the Advantech and Alga businesses added to the already prolonged integration path, which is nearing completion, but has impacted recent financial performance. We do expect to see improved results going forward. We performed our annual impairment test to, de to determine the recoverable amount of the company's goodwill. Due to lower than forecasted financial performance of Advantech and ALGA, we concluded that the recoverable amount of, of the goodwill is less than the carrying value, resulting in a goodwill impairment charge of $3 million. Goodwill has been decreased from $18.9 million to $15.9 million. Despite the impairment charge, we remain convinced that the Advantech and ALGA acquisitions have significantly enhanced the company's position in the wireless communication industry, and we remain confident that the financial performance expectations will be achieved. At December 31st, we had a cash balance of $11.2 million and access to approximately $22 million of revolving credit facilities, of which $10.1 million was utilized. We had the option to defer the term loan principal repayment on September 30th, and we elected to do so. 
quarterly principal repayments of $750,000 U.S. resumed in December. Capital expenditures in 2020 were $7.1 million, of which approximately $5.5 million was for the new factory in Vietnam, primarily in the first quarter of 2020 prior to construction delays caused by travel restrictions. The construction delays did allow us to fund the capital expenditures incurred to date from cash flow. However, in February, we drew $3.1 million from a credit facility established in Vietnam. The funds will be utilized for the remaining capital expenditures and working capital when operations commence. I'll now turn the call back to Randy. COVID-19 is slowly losing its grip on our end markets, though this continues to be an issue at this time, affecting our fourth quarter financial results and carrying over into the first half of Q1 2021. The signs of recovery are becoming more apparent and momentum in the business has noticeably picked up. The massive MIMO uh, market and our factory completion was stalled due to the pandemic, but we expect to get this business started in the second half of 2021. The opportunities for our company in 5G, LEO, Wi-Fi 6, automotive and military are very exciting and the backlog growth, new projects recently awarded and the opportunities we are negotiating at this time give us excitement about what lies ahead. Our mid and long-term opportunities are growing and the outlook for the balance of 2021 is very positive. So I'd like you to remember three things from this call, which I, I believe really summarize the current situation. First, we've been very aggressive to cut costs, get the business platform structured for the return of volume, which should produce a lot of gross profit leverage. The second is the C-band auction caught us really on two fronts. Our telecom customers uh, couldn't spend on 5G because of their frequency allocation and success was really unclear until the auction was completed. The other impact was our SATCOM customers were selling their C-band, didn't have the revenue from the auction available to invest in their own infrastructure. Two of our, two of our four sectors were really held back because of this auction and its delay. Now it's over. Frequencies will move into the hands of the telecom buyers in the second quarter and revenue generated from the auction can now flow into the bank accounts of our SATCOM customers. This gridlock has ended. Third, we are approved in the 5G network build-out plans, which are finally about to see acceleration. Additionally, as the new LEO constellation has commenced their space build-out, the now the ground infrastructure and the ground network build-out is set to commence this year, and our Summit Series 2 product, recently launched at Advantech, has well-positioned the company. We are at the starting blocks of two major industry trends that have an impact on our company. Now, I appreciate that COVID put the brakes on a lot of this excitement because these are not dissimilar to what we would have said a year ago, but the pandemic had an impact, of course, on the last 12 months. And the challenge that presented us was difficult in many respects. However, the signs are there that the recovery is imminent and the technical issues of C-band and other things have finally cleared. So we're enthusiastic about the road ahead. And for me, that concludes my formal remarks. Operator, if we could open up the line for questions, that would be great. Thank you. At this time, we will be conducting our question and answer session. In order to ask a question, please press star and the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for a brief moment to compile the Q&A roster. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live 
live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Your first question comes from the line of Bill Zhang with Raymond James. Bill, your line is open. Hi, guys. So for Q4, you had uh, savings of $3.8 million uh, from operating expenses. So with annualized savings of $20 million going forward, will we see further improvements in Q1 and beyond? Well, we've implemented a lot of the um, cost-saving initiatives, and, and most a lot of that was done in the fourth quarter of last year. So it, it carried on into Q1. There might be some additional ones, but... Um, the level of operating expense in the quarter is, is, is a pretty good number, I think, going forward. So I, I wouldn't expect to see large, large decreases. We, we, we will get some benefit from some of the subsidies we'll receive, but those are short-term in nature. Okay, makes sense. And, and on the topic of uh, wage subsidies, what was it in the quarter, and can we expect a similar amount in Q1 and Q2 for fiscal 2021? I mean, as you know, we, we use those wage subsidies for the purpose that they're intended, which is maintaining and, and keeping employment up. So um, we really haven't uh, reported what, what the wage subsidies are, but, you know, as I mentioned, it, they are used for the additional costs that we incur related to COVID and and, and keeping employment levels at, at a, a, a level that, that you know, we, we want to keep and, and, and have maintained over over the last little while. So... Uh, we, we aren't reporting separately, though, the amounts we're receiving under the wage subsidy programs. Okay. Okay, that's fair. And as, as the economy recovers uh, this year, how should we think about your selling and marketing expenses? So there's, you know, with, with uh, travel restrictions still being there, there's, there's no doubt there'll, there'll be a slight uptick uh, coming at, at, the, at the right time. Of course, as the world has now become much more accustomed to virtual meetings, I wouldn't expect us to go back to sort of pre-COVID levels of, of travel expenses, but uh, that would be the only area that we would, you know, certainly see a, a slight uptick. Uh, I wouldn't expect that until the second half of the year, to be quite frank. Um, you know, the, I think the first half of the year, as we continue to keep our expenses uh, uh, down, and, and as we see the business and the pent-up demand starting to return, um, that there will be a, there will be some recovery. The trade shows haven't really rebounded in, in quite the uh, uh, you know in the physical sense. They certainly on the virtual sense. So we're doing lots of trade shows uh, remotely. Um, I would see that continuing for much of this year. Uh, though there there may be the odd trade show or two that we would attend in the second half of the year, but right, right now I, I don't expect a, a large uptick. Okay, great. Thanks for that. Uh, that's all for me. Your next question comes from the line of Daniel Rosenberg with Paradigm Capital. Daniel, your line is open. Thanks for taking my question. Um, I was wondering about the outlook. You guys mentioned Q1 being comparable. Um, is that uh, do you start seeing the positive incremental benefits after you know the impacts of European retail closing, or do you see um, that retail European retail factor still? 
playing a role uh, in Q1. So what direction should we think of comparably as meaning? Well, certainly Q4 and Q1 will be quite comparable. Uh, the, the uptick that we have seen in the activity level, of course, started right from the turn of the year with the with our backlog growing and, and uh, opportunities growing. But those opportunities in, the, in that backlog really is uh, is the second quarter and onward. So the recovery and the uh, the promise that is certainly showing with the recovery of the economy, as you say, uh, really begins in uh, in call it you know that April, May, and June sort of time frame. Um, so the the lockdowns you've seen some easing, of course, in Europe, but not not the full. You know, they're really more like Germany, France, and Italy are really more calling for an April uh, and, and into May full recovery. So I think you'll we'll see a lot. Uh, I think the end markets of cellular will start seeing an uptick in there, and of course, over the last two quarters here, there's been quite a bit of pent up demand from. For cell phones, so I think we'll we'll see some robustness at least in those end markets. But I, I wouldn't expect that to happen until uh, till April, May, June timeframe. Okay, and so from a gross margin perspective, does that mean uh, comparable as as well? Uh, yes, comparable in Q1 uh, to Q4, but but the uh, <clears throat> of course as as things recover and those higher end phones uh, you know start to uh, deploy much more and and sales begins to recover, uh, I, we would expect a, a gross margin recovery uh, to take place in second quarter and beyond. Okay. Um... And could you provide some context on the impairment charge? Was it related to a specific product line or um, relationships or manufacturing? What caused you to reassess that opportunity? Well, the goodwill was was recorded when we did the two acquisitions, the Advantech and Alga acquisition, and and it was <clears throat> based on uh, obviously the purchase price, but. Um, every year we do an annual impairment test. We do it quarterly, but, but certainly um, focus on it annually. And, you know, we had certain expectations going in on, on growth and profitability of those two businesses. And as I mentioned on the call earlier, the, uh, that has been pushed out a little bit for, for the various reasons. So when you do a discounted cash flow on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on those two businesses, you come up with a number and, and then compare it to the goodwill balance on the balance sheet, and we determined that we needed to provide for that additional $3 million. So as, as we see these end markets, you know, as we talked about the, the marine and the air travel and how it's impacted the, our SATCOM group, you know, that, that's created, a, obviously, a, you know, there's, not, there's, there's no growth. It's been, it's been contractionary in the last, you know, 18 months as a result of COVID. And, and some other things as things are shifting from geo to leo and that's also created a bit of a macro issue uh, that softened up revenues for for 19 and 20 and that's certainly resulted in uh, lack of growth which is then you know the discount rates pretty sensitive so that that created the uh, the the, uh, the goodwill impairments that, that we see but as we see this year if if, if the if the uh, tea leaves seem to suggest that the recovery is there in in those end markets and uh, and particularly as leo starts to build out uh, on the ground side, there's the opportunities that we bought into SATCOM for are now finally starting to emerge here. In the last 12 months, was uh, was uh, was difficult. No one obviously projected a pandemic to to have impacted everybody like it has, but 
but now that uh, that uh, that is clearing up here, we're seeing those end markets now recover. That should uh, put us in a much better position uh, for you know the next year's impairment charge review when we take a look at it. Daniel, I would just add there as well uh, with respect to that. This whole uh, impairment charge is really near-term focused. If you look at what's going on in the SATCOM industry, uh, Randy referenced it, but just not to really make a point here, Leo Investment is a is a massive investment unlike we've ever seen in the SATCOM industry. We believe this is going to carry forward some significant revenue opportunities, and our Summit 2 series is extremely well positioned to capture market share within that. So we've never been more bullish on the on the outlook for our SATCOM sector. It's just unfortunate that the timing of this requirement has hit us at this moment. Okay. Uh, thanks for the color. Um, and in terms of the covenants, uh, so there were some amendments to the covenants in your debt facility. Um, as it stands today, um, is, is everything on side or you continue to work with your creditors naturally, but could you provide some contact of where you are with the covenant situation and your lenders? Yeah, as you know, we had two credit agreement amendments done last year in June and December, and we were we met the financial covenants for December 31st. We are keeping the banks updated, and if if it looks like there will be an issue, we we expect. Um, Issue going forward in Q1 or Q2, we, we expect to work with the banks like they have worked with us last year and, and don't anticipate any problems. Okay. And you said uh, in terms of access to capital, there's $10 million, uh, Did I get that number right? $10 million left on the credit facility? Yeah. yeah there's, that, that's the availability. There's, it's approximately $20 million of of credit facilities, but we have drawn about 10.9 million, so the difference is, is still available to be to be utilized. Okay, um, and then the capex and R and D investment related to the Vietnam facility does that uh, is that being redeployed elsewhere? Is that been being redeployed elsewhere, or are you going to see you know capex and and R and D come down this year? Yeah, well, you, you certainly uh, on a trend basis, R&D, and uh, it, it will definitely be coming down as well as CapEx in uh, in this year versus prior years, uh, particularly the lion's share of the investments in the Vietnam factory are behind us. We have funded a lot of the last 12 months uh, out of the uh, working capital out of uh, out of our Vietnamese uh, business. So uh, we're, we're not expecting a big uh, slug of capital required to finish off the factory, you know, it's, not even not even a million dollars left to to go to finish up things and get the business back on track. Okay, and then maybe lastly for me, you know, in terms of the division outlook, I mean, there's a lot of positive industry tailwinds going on throughout. Um, perhaps you know not immediate, but certainly kind of in the next few years that should be supportive of growth. I was wondering if that reprioritized how you guys think uh, about opportunities. Uh, you mentioned the GeoLeo satellites. You know, has that become a number one focus for you? Um, is a rebound in mobile become uh, a number one focus for you? How do you think about your priorities? 
Well, the, the, the opportunities that we're, we're facing in, in SATCOM with where things are going with, uh, with the new constellation that's being constructed here is certainly a, is a focus for us, no doubt. There's lots of uh, investments that we've made in the last uh, three years, uh, two and a half to three years here, that uh, are positioning us to be able to enter this new opportunity. And as Daniel referenced earlier, SATCOM's been a, a flat to slightly uh, modest growth industry for the better part of three decades. And here is the single largest investment uh, pivot point in the history of SATCOM for, for the, from recent times. So we're, we're quite excited about the, the directional uh, opportunities and we have made uh, historic investments here that uh, we're expecting to start to see a, you know, a, a good return on. So yes, that, that will remain a, a focus for us as well. As well, the, the second one, which is the 5G in our infrastructure group and a lot of the investments that we've made getting ready for C-band, um, that's all our R&D center was focused on in the last uh, year plus was making sure that our products were C-band ready, and now that C-band has finally been completed, um, and that final piece of that, call it 5G puzzle, is now put in place, uh, that will uh, be another very important, uh, a very important uh, sort of business opportunity and, and, and future trend. So yes, th that will be uh, an important for us. And of course, Massive MIMO plays a role in that, because Massive MIMO is not even required if you're not going to build out a 5G network. So uh, 5G and Massive MIMO uh, is, you know, affects both our infrastructure business as well as our Asia-Pacific Massive MIMO business. So you know, we have three, what I th feel are very strong business opportunities that are in front of us uh, for different reasons. And uh, it's, it, you know, for us, we're, we're excited to see that things are finally clearing up here in the next 12 months as, uh, as these networks and these investments that have been long awaited are now going to start to be made. Uh, maybe I'll sneak one last one in uh, on that 5G topic. Um, so now that we know how the spending resulted for the spectrum option, and we've seen kind of the CapEx outlook for the uh, North American telcos, um, what does rollout look like for them? So, you know, when 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 do these small cell networks get built out uh, specific to that C-band spectrum, is it, I mean, I would suppose it's big cities first and et cetera, but um, what does their rollout look like? Well, there's certainly, you know, it obviously differs by carrier, but there's certainly going to be a city uh, focus, no doubt, uh, where the, the, the mass amount of people are. So there's going, you know, there's, there's trial cities, there's different sort of test beds that have been underway for the last 12 months. Those are those networks and sort of their configurations are, are, are all but being finalized. The spectrum is now determined, so now they get control of the spectrum, call it starting in the second quarter. Um, that will then really trigger a lot of the, uh, the capital uh, projects that have been waiting uh, for some time here for that, that, that uh, resolution. So um, we're expecting to see, you know, starting uh, in Q2, uh, a significant pickup in deployments in, in our backlog is suggesting that those those things like stadiums and other uh, dense uh, dense areas, dense urban areas, as well as uh, dense cities, uh, those deployments will begin. And and uh, this is not a you know a one quarter opportunity. This is a multi year build out that's uh, that's really finally starting to begin. There's been a lot of talk about 5G, of course. You know, just uh, there's been a lot of investment, but a lot of the investments coming at the uh, electronics end, not so much at the end uh, antenna end. You know, the the uh, 
the, the step before the invisible. And um, that's where a lot of that hard infrastructure has to get built out to really be prepared for this network to be able to perform at the specifications that have been talked about. So uh, we're really at the beginning of uh, what is a, a significant investment that's going to be required by all the carriers over the next five to ten years. Daniel, I would just add to that that um, what Randy had suggested in terms of the Q2 ramp up marries very well with what um, our carrier customers and other customers have been saying in terms of a second year ramp up. So our deployment one quarter ahead of that would um, would work with that very well. I'd also suggest to you that uh, one of the things that we had heard in terms of a pushback is is after carriers have spent $81 billion on this spectrum, do they have the capacity to invest in their network? And the answer is absolutely yes. They need to monetize that investment more so than ever. And this is, uh, like SATCOM, another once-in-a-lifetime major, major investment. And the carriers will be investing very heavily to refresh their product portfolio, so that is going to be a huge benefit to the industry. And if you look back over the last 20 years, every time there was a significant spectrum auction like this and, and uh, you know, the likes of, you know, billions of dollars that have been spent acquiring it, there, there's an, an enormous amount of pressure that's put on these carriers to be able to generate the return on an $81 billion investment. That's uh, unprecedented uh, from a cost per, uh, per, per megahertz of uh, frequencies that were auctioned. So um, <clears throat> every time that happened in the last 20 years, it, it led to a good five years of, of major uh, investment in the network to be able to yield that return. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on these carriers to really build out this uh, the 5G network to be able to harness the return. And, and as you know, it's not going to come in just in the cell phone bills. Of, uh, of the average American or Canadian, it's going to become, you know, the business needs that are going to be dictated from 5G that are really going to drive an opportunity that's going to come from other industries to help support that. So the customer bases of uh, the AT&Ts and Verizon and T-Mobile and Sprint are going to expand in ways that uh, that are, you know, that weren't necessarily contemplated at the beginning. So it's it's kind of exciting, an exciting time. We have lots of folks have been talking about it for lots of years, and it finally feels that the the curtain here is about to open. Okay, thanks for taking my questions. Your next question comes from the line of Nick Boychuk with Cormark Securities. Nick, your line is open. Hey, good morning. Uh, just on the small cell deployment, um, one other one there, if you could comment or provide a little bit more color on, on the impact COVID has had. I appreciate the, the size of the market and the fact that you know, the carriers are going to be spending you know, the same amount, but has COVID kind of acted maybe to expedite some of that to bring some of those forward? Like, has the timing shifted? Uh, well, certainly, you know, I, I would say that the the impact that COVID had on small cell was more the impact that it had on the delay of the C-band auction. So that, of course, was, you know, was decided and finalized to some degree in February of 2020, so just before COVID hit. And then the delay of the auction uh, through to December is really what caused a lot of you know, because if you can imagine, if you were Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile and you're bidding on these frequency slices, you're not quite sure which ones and how much you're going to get and what you're going to pay for it. So you're going to be, con you know, containing some of your CapEx spend because you know there's a, a fairly big bill coming down the road here and, and uh, when the auction gets solidified. Plus, you don't know quite what frequencies you're going to get and how that's going to play into your network plan. So that that's really what caused a lot of uh, sort of slowness. And then you couple that with no fans in the stands and stadiums now uh, in, in uh, not being uh, filled. So that caused you to also slow down on some of that, uh, those venue build-outs. So it, it really did cause this lull in small cell for uh, all of 2020. And now that the, you've got that auction finalized and now they're going to get control of the spectrum, 
uh, call it in Q2. Uh, now they're able to finalize their plans, they know what the frequencies they're getting, and now they're going to be able to start back up and knowing that fans are returning to stands now and, and more robustly towards summer, uh, now is your opportunity to start to get back onto your original plan. Got it, thanks. Um, and then just moving to the, the 5G massive Nemo, um, when they the same sort of growth and, and expectations that you had from the August AGM, like that potential 40% plus tagger, is that kind of still on the come? Is that the same expectation? Same expectation, maybe a little slightly longer, only because C-band has certainly been resolved in the United States, as we've seen from the auction, but the C-band auctions across the world haven't necessarily been uh, been uh, you know resolved yet. There's certain auctions going on right now in other countries, and those are getting resolved right now. I'm sure we'll get the the worldwide sort of auctions of C-band done. So yes, there there will be a uh, you know an in a, an uptick in activity as it comes to massive MIMO uh, in the timeline that I've suggested here, starting in Q2 and beyond in the United States. Uh, but they haven't used uh, massive MIMO as uh, prolifically as other countries in the world. So I would say, yes, it's coming back, and we can see it, and we certainly are getting uh, good indications of the, those volumes. But I, I would think of it more towards the second half of the second half, more towards like a Q4 and 2022 uh, type of timeline. So the fact that our, our factor is slightly delayed is, is unfortunate, but it isn't uh, as though we're now missing the market because the market has shifted a little bit further uh, in more of the second half of 2020, uh, uh, sorry, second half of the second half of 2021, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I got you. Um, and then just a follow-up to that, um, are there any other massive or, or large um, auctions that are ongoing right now that you think could have a material impact on, on the uh, well, no. There, there. You know, some things have been uh, finalized in some countries, but it, it, it's a it's a process, and that will slowly unfold over this year. Um, the the major ones that you know would affect the, this industry in the in the overall TAM, uh, those ones are going to get resolved uh, in the next little bit here. So, uh, I'm I'm not overly worried that you know that it's going to shift out farther than what I'm suggesting, but. Um, but yes, yeah, so we're, we're seeing you know that log jam now finally clearing up as well. So okay, nice. Um, and then just uh, moving to the gross margin, coming back to that, um, could you provide a little bit more color, please, on the, the sort of the, 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 the disruption that you had last quarter? Um, so yeah, the, you know, as, as we indicated, there was a quality issue and manufacturing issue that we uh, grappled with. That was uh, unfortunately it's just one the situation itself, but the timing of it was helpful. So uh, we have now got that resolved and that has now been fixed up. So we're expecting, of course, just with, you know, the, the, the mix the, uh, that we had in the, the fourth quarter with, uh, with uh, sort of the industry softness in, in mobile and some of the other things that we pointed out earlier, that margin certainly took a hit. Uh, but we're expecting to see that, you know, as, as the backlog is, which was your specific question, the backlog is at, at more historic and traditional uh, margin profile and mixed profile than, than uh, what we've historically had. So I expect to see, as, as was suggested earlier, that that backlog starts to hit in Q2, uh, then you'll start to see the margin recovery happen for the companies in Q2 and onward. Okay, that's helpful, thanks. And, and last for me, just on the outstanding warrants, I think subsequent to the end of the quarter, the you may mention that there were about 67,000 or so that had been converted. Do you have any other commentary or any other calls you can provide on, on those fully converted? Yeah, well, we, you know, we, we were uh, 
um, we, we'd serve notice to the warrant holders uh, when we uh, broke through the dollar uh, forty, and it was the same for that uh, twenty trading day period. And so the warrant holders have until the twenty fifth of March to uh, make their declaration on their half warrant that they had as part of that uh, private placement in December. So. Uh, yeah, we're certainly, you know, looking forward to uh, the response from the market on that. Of course, there's some time here before that comes to uh, to bear, but, but yeah, no, that's uh, that, that's a nice uh, opportunity for the warrant holders that it would be in the money at this point. Okay, thanks, Edward. Your final question comes from the line of Stephen Lee with Raymond James. Stephen, your line is open. Um, thank you. Hey guys, um, maybe I can ask uh, uh, the cost question is in a slightly different way. So, uh, how much of the savings uh, is permanent? So, once the subsidies are gone and, and a bit of travel comes back, uh, am I adding like a million dollars per quarter back to my OPEX base in Q4 uh, when the volume gets uh, comes back? Uh, sorry, you're asking if you, you should add a, a million. Yeah, yeah. When when the volume comes back in the second half, I, I guess I'm trying to to, fi to figure out like how much should my uh, because I know some of those items would go away. So how much should my OPEX increase? As we said, we're not expecting big increases or, or material increases in operating expense on a quarterly basis. As you know, it, it does swing between quarters depending on what's happening. It's not they're not all fixed in, uh, and evenly spread out throughout the year, but. Uh, the, the Q4 numbers that, that we uh, that, that are reported, I, I think, are a good number to, to utilize and, and think and think that way going forward. Oh, okay. So, so one, even as the subsidies go away and the, the travel comes back, you you do have offsets, additional offsets within the business to to kind of uh, uh, offset those increases. Yeah, correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks. I will now turn the call back over to Randy Dewey for closing remarks. Thank you, operator, and thank you, everyone. Obviously, this is an interesting uh, time that we find, and uh, of course, light seems to be there at the end of this tunnel, so we're, we're quite excited about that, and, and certainly as all the things that we talked about earlier. So thank you so much for all your patience and interest in the company and, and uh, the investments that you've made in us, and uh, we're very, very uh, look, you know, much looking forward to the, the future and the opportunities and finally being able to harness some of the things that we've been waiting for for so long. Thank you, operator, and thank you, everyone. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.